Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And today I have a delightful conversation with longtime friend and just the incredible world champion Ironman athlete, Terenzo Bazzoni. In this episode, Terenzo describes a difficult uh, mental and physical and emotional journey back from an almost career and life-ending accident. He struggled with concussion symptoms for months after the accident and just had headaches that would last a week at a time. But he went on to win the Western Australian Ironman five months after the accident, using the desire to show his kids the importance of never giving up, even when the chips are down, to just empower him to to victory. Just absolutely incredible. He discusses his hopes of Olympics, but missing out due to politics in sport. But he regrouped and went on to win the 2008 Ironman 70.3 World Champs the same year as the Olympic Games. We discuss sleep and recovery and mountain biking, supplements, mental strategies, and just so much more in this one. Now, some housekeeping before we go on. If you're enjoying the show, you'd be doing me a huge favor if you could just give me some reviews on Apple Podcasts. That'll just help other people find the show. So please help me there by doing a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Please keep the feedback coming on social media. And finally, you can find show notes, timestamps, coupon codes, and the links to Terenzo at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. And remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. If you're enjoying the show, you can support by supporting the show sponsors. All of these products I'm using regularly. You see, these past few months, I've become even more conscious about my metabolic health, my nutrition, supplementation, movement, sleep and recovery, and and social interaction. And I found the support for my metabolic health with these sponsors, Athletic Greens, Hyper Ice, and Continual G. Athletic Greens is a green drink sourced from whole foods that actually tastes great. It's delivered straight to your door. And it's highly absorbable powder, which takes seconds to mix with water. So there's no clumpiness to deal with. It's developed from a complex blend of 75 vitamins and minerals. It's packed with aptogens for recovery and probiotics and digestive enzymes for gut health. And vitamin C and zinc citrate for immune support. So Athletic Greens is designed to help fill the nutritional gaps in your diet. It's NSF certified for sport, no harmful chemicals, no GMOs, and no funny additives. Honestly, I can't recommend Athletic Greens enough. Whether you're looking to boost your energy levels, support your immune system, or address gut health, now's the perfect time to try Athletic Greens for yourself. A number of my guests that I've had on the show take Athletic Greens regularly, including Timothy O'Donnell, Marinda Carfrey, Tim Don, and Sebastian Kinley, amongst others. There's a great offer going on now for you to give it a try. Simply go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg to claim our special offer of 20 free daily travel packets with your first purchase a $79 added value and get Athletic Greens delivered straight to your door. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Now, with two kids and a business to run, time is limited. In the past, when I was a professional athlete with no kids, I'd line up the massages throughout the week to help with recovery and those niggling injuries. But now I only use the various recovery tools from Hyperice. They work, they're easy to use, and they're time efficient. My go-to is the Hypervolt, the world's most powerful percussion massage device featuring quiet glide technology. Their vibrating foam rollers, thermal technology, and Normatec compression systems help you warm up faster, recover quicker, and simply move better. With Christmas fast approaching, yes, it's almost here, Hyperize products make the perfect gift for anybody in your life that you want to help support 
get them and keep them moving. Get $50 off all percussion devices now. No code needed and get an additional 10% off with code GREG10 at hyperice.com. That's hyperice.com, H-Y-P-E-R-I-C-E.com and use code GREG10 for 10% off. Finally, you're not going to believe this, but I have a new sponsor that doesn't sell anything. They just want to educate. It's called theglutathionreporter.com. That's theglutathionreporter.com. You can find them in my show notes. Why are they doing this? Well, it appears that medical doctors, scientists, college professors are sticklers for accurate information. <laughs> and instead of complaining or getting into Twitter battles, these guys just build a website to reach out and teach people everything you want to know about glutathione. The reason I'm interested, and this is important, is that most consumers are wasting time and money on dietary supplements that don't work. And the best way to prevent this is to do your homework, form your own opinion, and make more informed decisions. So go to theglutathionreporter.com. All right, today's guest is one of the world's greatest endurance athletes with over 47 wins, including 33 Ironman 70.3s and numerous Ironman victories. He's won five world championship titles in triathlon, duathlon, and his 2008 70.3 world title. But it hasn't always been smooth sailing. He's had enormous setbacks with Achilles injuries and eventual surgeries and a, and a really frightening accident in 2018 when he was taken out by his truck on his bike. But he continues to rebound and rebuild and come back stronger and better. Never a smile off this guy's face. You'd be hard-pressed to meet a better man. We've been mates for almost 20 years and we raced each other, well, for over a decade. It's an honor to have him with me today. So welcome and thanks for joining me on The Greg Bennett Show, Terenzo Bazzoni. How are you, mate? Thanks, Greg. Jeez, what a nice introduction, mate. Uh, you're welcome, of course. It's, uh, it's a real delight to have this, this moment to be able to, to chat with a longtime friend. And uh, we were just saying pre-show how, how much we miss you know, catching up with mates around the world. Um, yeah. But this is it, kind of one way we can, we can connect a little bit. <laughs> yeah. No, it's awesome what you're doing. And uh, yeah, I've spoken to a few people who have listened to the podcast and they, they say great things about it. So I, uh, yeah. Stoked to be on online. Thank you for including me. Uh, of course, of course. I, it was really fun for me to do some homework for this one because I don't know if you remember when we first met, but in my mind, and maybe this is wrong, it was in a karaoke room in Ishigaki, <laughs> oh, Jima, okay. in Japan <laughs> in, in 2003. And I'll never forget, I'd had a reasonably good race and here was this young guy just oozing confidence and you were up the front of that karaoke. I think you couldn't have been, you must've just turned about 18 yeah, in 2003. Yeah. And here you were probably the youngest guy in the field commanding the stage of the karaoke that, do you remember that? <laughs> I had tried to forget it, but yeah. <laughs> if anybody wants to have a good time, this, this guy uh -huh. knows how to have a, have a good time. I mean, I, I never forget that. I just remember being blown away by your confidence. You know, I think I was trying to run the show with Chris Hill and a few others that have been around the block for, for quite a while. And then here comes this young New Zealand guy that just came up and, and basically took over the whole party. Anyway, mate, it's it was, it was when, fun. When, you, when you're young, you just, uh, you think nothing, nothing can stop you. And you just, you just think, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess they, that's where the confidence comes from, but it's, uh, yeah, it's slowly got um got knocked knocked down in my place. <laughs> Did you really? I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, when you think about that, where you were in your career, I mean, we will wind the clock back in a little bit, but I, but it's funny talking about that because it was, you know, two thousand and one, 
you know, you come out blasting, win the, the World Duathlon Championships for the juniors. And then 2002, uh, you, you back up that title, Duathlon World Championships again, and then you win the duathlon, uh, the triathlon uh, Junior World Championships in Cancun in 2002. So Ishigaki was almost your first race in 2003 where you'd, you'd had this momentum that I guess it must have felt like you could take on the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh... I mean, it's, it's a, it was a big, big shift going from racing, racing in the juniors to racing in the seniors. And I think even 2003, I was still a junior. So I had, um, I think it was Queenstown was that year, the world champs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it was, yeah, it's, it's a, it's such a hard one. Like going from a, from a big fish in a small pond and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, wow, the pond, the, the pond outside is really big and uh, it's a little, little bit, little bit humbling. But, um, I think, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, the confidence was there. I don't think it was ever arrogance. So I never meant for it to be arrogance. I just wanted to. No, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a hard one now. I've actually had, had conversations with, um, with people and just like that, it's hard to maintain that confidence in this in this world where you kind of uh, I I was in New Zealand especially there's the tall poppy syndrome mm. and and you don't want to be that person so you kind of get not or you you you're more aware of it and you kind of become less and less confident because you're worried that your confidence will come across as as arrogance or and then uh and then you kind of just <laughs> become yeah almost almost retreat a little bit so it's that was that was probably one of the a harder thing to kind of yeah process and- fascinating it was you know what's interesting about that is when i had jan fedino on the show a couple of months back and uh, we were we were laughing about the fact that his mum called me an arrogant so-and-so after I think I won Hamburg in, was it 02 or 03? And I did a post-race interview and basically said, I think it got taken out of context. Basically, I said, I did it easy. You know, that win was easy. And it wasn't that, it was just that the body had turned up. But obviously it was, you know, and and again, I I understand what you're saying because it's this, I just felt good and confident and, and, and I'd done the work and had a good result. Yeah. But some people took it as arrogance and it was only later on that I met his mom and we, we hit it off and we had a good time and, and, uh, and we had a laugh about it. But, but it is that kind of, yeah, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be arrogant. And it's a very fine line, isn't it, between being feeling good about yourself and confident and, um, and being called arrogant. You know, yeah. so I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let, let, let's look at these last few years as we just move into the show a little bit because – what a last few years. I mean, if I go back to 2016, 17, 18, was just Terenzo Bazzoni was on fire. And like I, I'd known you for, like I said, the 10 to 12 years before this little stretch yeah. where you started winning Ironmans and you didn't just win them. You were setting records in, doing, in the process. You came sixth at Kona. Um, you had that block uh, where you – I don't know, end of 2017, I believe, and you were in South America winning a 70.3. Then you were up in the Island House Triathlon, just narrowly missing uh, <laughs> that 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 race to Ben Canute in yep. front of Henry Schumann, who was the bronze medal at the Olympic Games, Aaron Royal, um, some, of, some of the very, very best short course athletes. And then I think you went off to the Middle East. Um, <laughs> did you win or come second at a, a 70.3? Yeah, and then you won the next weekend. Blumenfeld. Yeah. Blumenfeld, that's right. And then you went yeah. and won 
WA Ironman yeah. was at the next weekend. Yeah, it was yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> um, just an extraordinary, I think it was all of us have been waiting to see you unleash your potential that we knew you had. You know, as somebody that I've watched you from, you know, this last 20 years and it was like, wow, here, here it comes. Here comes the freight chain where we're, we're seeing this guy unleash. And then you finally win uh, the New Zealand Ironman. Yeah, finally. Um, 10 attempts. And I know I'm talking a lot right now because I want to, no, what no, I'm building no. up to is, uh, um, and you win on New, Ironman New Zealand in a record, record style again. And then boom, you're hit by a truck in 20. 18 there in July 2018 after that run tell me about how that really felt that <laughs> not not just obviously the physical but that that emotional and mental pain it must have been something yeah yeah it, um I mean to, like life-wise so take the racing and triathlon side out of it for the for the time being and and life-wise it was it was huge it was I mean you being a I guess Jumping on a triathlete, where you jump on the bike, and and you you know that drivers are idiots sometimes or a lot of the time, and you you know how dangerous it is. So I'm always aware when I get on the bike. Um, I'm not under any illusion that I will always be safe, but I always try and do everything I can to be safe. And and for this to happen, it was just it was just a shock. I never I never yeah, never imagined that that it would if something did happen, it would be that bad. Um, I'm not a squirmy kind of guy. I don't mind blood. I don't. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, and I still have no recollection of of what happened. So I don't think I don't think my my mind blocking it out. I think it's just that's how how hard I was hit. And I remember waking up in hospital at ten o'clock that night. But but apparently I I was found on a lady um, found me on the floor uh, on the side of the road. And she said, apparently, I, I unlocked my phone, so I was I was loose, I was conscious, but um, yeah. <laughs> and I guess the good thing is I told her to call my wife, so that was probably a good thing for my wife. That that's what that's what came out first. <laughs> wow, wow. And it was just it was just hard to. I mean, it's one thing for me going through it, but when you have, I mean, my wife and my kids and and my parents, for all of them to be there and seeing this and seeing how close it was to being fatal um it was that that was yeah that was pretty hard to see what what they were going through as well um and the the recovery was slow um the the restrictions i had from my wife on riding on the road was was very limited um and which uh, i don't blame her but uh thank god zwift was around because that kind of kept kept the time uh yeah that was that was a really good introduction to zwift um but yeah, it was th- that part was. I, I I guess I thought, oh no, it's fine. I'll get over it and I'll I'll bounce back quickly. But um, it wasn't until four or five months later when I was still kind of fighting the symptom post post concussion symptoms um, that I realised how how big a hit it was. And and yeah, and it was when I look at look back at the the where triathlon was at for me and how I was going. Like you said, that that run in twenty seventeen. 2018 started well with the, the record at New Zealand, and then I did two um, half Ironman the following two weeks in South America, and and won them, and then Bustleton, and then I think uh, it was third in Cairns, which what wasn't the typical win, but but we had just finished a big training block in Kona, and I I think yeah I think 
the I mean, it was it was a it was a really good field of Braden, Javier, Tim O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really felt like this was this was my year to kind of step up uh, to a whole new level in Kona and and when that was taken away from me it was uh yeah <laughs> pretty painful pretty painful mm-hmm. and now and then it's it's easy to go oh yeah cool it's not a problem it's just a short short blimp and and we'll be back in no time but but then uh last year I yeah kind of I started started going good but then just I couldn't I couldn't get any momentum in races just kind of kept having a bit of bad luck and then at the end of the year I got injured with the Achilles again and then going into this year of course covid so so it's been been quite a frustrating 3 years Mm-hmm. It, it's like I said, though, you know, I, I still, you have a lot of fans and a lot of believers in you. I think Chris McCormack and I are probably two of the biggest. And I, I, I know you did some work with Jan Fredino. I think we all look at this. Well, in my eyes, you're still the young Terenzo Bazone. I know you're getting, I know you're getting a bit older, but you're only 35 still. And, and I still think there's this unbelievable potential. But the, the physical damage you had from that crash, you talked about the post concussion symptoms. What, what was that? What were you dealing with? Um, yeah, so well, there was the the injury stuff. So my face was my face was broken, um, pretty face like mine. You can't 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 have that being broken. <laughs> uh, yeah, my um, my maxilla. So basically, my my whole cheekbone had um, broken off. It's connected to your face in like four four pivot points, and basically, it had been. Uh, broken off on all four of those points so so the operation uh so i was in hospital for a few days they sent me home because of the swelling in my swelling in my brain they didn't want to operate on me straight away they kind of wanted things to subside a bit before they operated so i went home and came back a week later for the for the surgery on my on my uh, cheek and oh man i tell you what i woke up after the operation and it felt worse than worse than the crash I was in so, so much pain, and the the surgeon said afterwards, he's like, "Oh yeah, actually, we probably shouldn't have waited that long because the the bone in your in your face actually had started healing where it was, so it was quite oh. quite hard to, to pop it back out." Um, uh, so yeah, there was that. Um, I had a broken bone in my hand, which which they kind of with all the other stuff that was going on that wasn't uncovered for a few weeks until I said, no, no, there's definitely something wrong here. <laughs> and uh, um, so I had to go in a few weeks later for another operation to put a, um, they put a pin in my hand. Um, and so that, yeah, I mean, there was the, the physical stuff that was, that was one issue. And then, um, and then the concussion stuff was probably the, the bigger issue um, mm. and just how, what I could do, and at the, I mean, at the beginning, we, we had I was very fortunate um, to get into the sports clinic, and they've got a concussion uh, concussion wing that just handled like deals with uh, a lot of the rugby players' concussions, and so they they know a little bit about, about what's going on with the head, but it's still such a yeah, it's it's a it's an area that hasn't been touched on a lot, and no one knows a lot about. But uh, yeah, they, they basically put my my protocols in place. I was doing forty minutes, roughly forty minutes of exercise a day, and and the progression was was quite slow. Between um, they wanted you to do a bit of exercise, but not enough to bring on any headaches, and that was quite a fine line. Um, and at the beginning, it was it was hardly any power just to just to uh, get a little bit of exercise done, and and slowly it progressed. But then there would be times where you'd go a little bit too hard, and and you'd you'd have a headache. I would have a headache for a week um wow yeah uh, so it was it was just a frustrating frustrating um place to be when I'm going from being the fittest i've been my whole life to 
kind of yeah not not, not able to ride 30 40 minutes on a wind trainer at 250 it's, watts it's insane when it's taken away from you like that isn't it i mean there's no doubt you were probably one of the fittest men alive you know <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you would have on, on July second training, looking at yeah. your performances at six to twelve months before. There's very few people in the world that would have been as fit, as strong, and as able as you. And then, boom! It takes yeah. that moment of that truck taking you out, and and then you've got to do the whole rebuilding process. And you're right about the concussion thing because I've had quite a few. You know, my accident in 2009 where I was taken out by a car, um, dealt with headaches and all sorts of things. And yeah. when I had Dr. Tommy Wood on um, back in july i think this year and he's a phenomenal guy uh, he basically undergrad at cambridge postgrad at um oxford university yeah. uh neuroscientist the whole lot and anyway he works with pediatric brain trauma at uh in uh, in washington and he came on basically saying there's a lot of evidence to suggest that creatine is great for not only taking if you haven't had concussion but if you do have one it, it's really good but even for us now um post uh, you know, these concussions that we've had, it's actually very good. He really encouraged us to take that. Um, not and, and on top of that, creatine also has the effects of making you feel quite explosive and powerful when you're in the gym and all yes. that kind of stuff. But it was uh, interesting what he had to say about concussion and the brain, and that's really his um, expertise. So if you, if you want to listen to any of my episodes, you might enjoy that one just because these concussions that we've had do stay with us, um, you know, forever that is something that you have to monitor and it was just a an interesting sort of little tip yeah that, that's that's really interesting yeah i yeah. actually had a crash a few months ago and oh, it wasn't a big crash just yeah hit the deck pretty hard and man the headaches yeah headaches for like two months after that if, if i went too hard or too long it's, yeah uh, you got to be careful mate I, I know a lot of the motorsport guys you know mark werber uh, i've got a couple of other mates in motorsport all dealing with concussions my brother who is a professional rugby player you know it's like we put our, our bodies out there and we take these hits but we, we got to be pretty pretty careful with it now then emotionally you know, you've, you've got an amazing wife, Kelly, who I just think's an incredible woman in her own right. Uh, you've got two beautiful kids. Um, you know, it, it's a work in progress, right, to, to find that positivity or that neutral zone um, when you're dealing with all these setbacks. Uh, was there anything you were doing in particular to try and just get yourself going mentally and emotionally? Um. I, I, looking back on it now, after, after the accident, I, I probably would have handled it differently. Um, it's funny how you, you grow and you get wiser and, and smarter. Um, but yeah, I... And then you forget, by the way. And yeah. then you've got to grow and get smarter again. <laughs> Do it again, dope. <laughs> uh, so when I, when I woke up in the hospital, the, the, I guess it was the second day I was there, I started thinking, I'm like, well, if, if ever I need an, an excuse to get out of triathlon uh, and start with the next next chapter of my life, this this would be a pretty pretty good good reason, valid excuse. And to, I, I didn't need to sit on that for for long at all. I was like, no, nah, I've I've still got unfinished business. I want to get to the top of the podium in Kona. And besides that, I just love the adventures I get to go on and the journeys and the people you get to meet doing this sport. So I was like, no, nah, I'm 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 all in. I'm still all in, and I kind of I got so focused. I'm like, no, I'm going to train. I'm gonna this this isn't gonna slow me down. I'm gonna get get to the start line in Kona and have a great race. And so everything revolved around around that. And uh, I guess being, I mean, you would know, like when when you get being an athlete, when you get focused and in the zone, 
you don't really know what's going on around you. You're pretty like a, like a racehorse with the shutters on and you're looking in front of you and, and you're focused on that goal. So I was very much in that mindset of, yeah, I need to get back, I need to get back, I need to get back. And I was thankful, well, lucky to have, have my wife and Uncle Kelly and the kids kind of just, yeah, be supporting and being along for the ride and, and not really saying, hey, don't do that, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, why Which you probably, why need, you yeah. probably needed to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. um, and uh, it, it, it was, yeah, it was tough, but I mean, she, I, she hasn't said she has any regrets about it, um, which, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for. But when, so Kona came and went, and then um, Ironman WA was um, in uh, December. So there was Ironman Western Sydney, which was a 70.3 uh, at the end of November, and then Ironman WA in December. And I was like, and I, I finally got across and, and did that one, won the 70.3, and then the following weekend was the Ironman. And I got off the bike in Camworth, I think it was 10 minutes up the road. And I got halfway through the run and I'm like, ah, you know what, it's been a rough year. I, I, could, I could pull the pin and, and it would be fine. And I'm like, no, no freaking way. I've put in so much work and I am going to – I want to set an example for my kids. I want to show my kids when they grow up and they can look at this and I can tell the story of, hey, I was I – was, yeah, it was, it was all over and I put my mind to it and I worked hard. And I came out on top and that's kind of the thought of being a role model for my kids. That was a big driving, driving force to, yeah, to, to push through and, and, uh, go past Worthy and give them a little tickle and, uh, yeah. <laughs> it gives me goosebumps, mate, because I, you know, you kind of brushed over that really. I mean, you know, you were keen on getting to, to Kona uh, and like you said, it really, you know, after your sixth in 2017, uh, it was kind of like, okay, this, I can still do it. And then, and you have this when you're an athlete, you're like, well, I haven't lost much fitness. If yeah. I can just get going again, I'll be fine. Yeah. And then you've, you've had to kind of watch that sail by in early October, which is only three months after your crash. Yeah. Um, but then to come back, you know, five months after almost a life ending accident, I mean, honestly, yeah. uh, and then, you know, have that incredible race in WA. And it was funny, Tim O'Donnell, when I had him on earlier in the year, he described his last year, 2019, when he still had to qualify for, yeah. for Kona and he did the Boulder Man. He was only sort of semi-fit. He'd been injured. He'd had crashes, everything else. Yeah. And, and he said, I just decided I had to run to the finishing line to see my daughter. <laughs> I, I needed to show her that I could finish the race. And so both you That's guys cool. are using the almost the, 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 you know, the power of just being a great dad and a role model to get you through those dark times. I think, I think that's a really inspiring and, and it's, it's a great story within itself. And, you know, and you did eventually catch Cam. Where, where did you catch him to take the win? Um, I must have got him around, around 30Ks and then we, we hung out a little bit and, and I, yeah, I was like, oh, geez, this is going to, this is going to hurt. I, I need to put, <laughs> need to put a, put a gap in now and, and open it up. And then uh, at least that way, maybe I can get him to crack mentally and we can both just struggle, struggle home <laughs> by ourselves. And I think that's kind of what happened. He, yeah. he, fin he finally let you go, did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, mate. And then, so like you said, 2019 was a bit up and down. 2020, I mean, everybody's been struggling to find, you know, events or races. Um, yeah. 
I think they've got the Daytona Challenge Daytona race coming up with the PTO trying to put on a I'm not sure I think it's still going ahead I think <laughs> a couple of weeks to go um I'm hoping it does you're not flying over for that though right no I, I looked at it and uh, kind of in the same boat as oh I think all the Aussies and Kiwis I'm not sure if there's anyone from from uh, down here that, that are that's able to make the trip up um I mean firstly the the flights I think are exorbitant to get up there and then and then the probably the deal breaker for me was the uh, we have to do a two-week compulsory um quarantine in a government facility well not a go- like a hotel but you can't yeah, you can't self-quarantine at home um so if, when i come back i have to quarantine at a hotel for two weeks and if i make my flight out of america i will get out of quarantine on christmas eve <laughs> um, and flights are being cancelled very regularly, so oh, I like, know. Oh, we know it. To miss to miss out on uh, Christmas with the kids is, um, I think that's yeah a recipe for disaster, and uh, and both of them having daddy issues down down the track. <laughs> No, <laughs> well, I think it's a wise decision, mate. Yeah, you know, we we've tried to get to Australia numerous times this year. Our flights get cancelled, and and then we're like, well, what do we? Unless we could do a, a home quarantining, there's no way I'm staying in a, a hotel room with no outside, no vitamin D. Yeah. Um, with a two-year-old and a 10-month-old, I'm like, you know what? That's not going to happen. So we're, we're just staying put and hopefully this will all sort of blow over in the next sort of six months or so. Hopefully. But um, I think it's a wise decision. I did see that you did a 100-kilometer um, <laughs> mountain bike race on single track in Rotorua. I was so envious of that. Um, oh, do, you do, just, do you do a bunch? Well, I was envious of the single track in Rotorua. <laughs> <laughs> hundred k, not so much, yeah. but I, I really I got into mountain biking when I retired in 2016. Okay, and really enjoy it. I've gotten to the point I probably enjoy the downhill parks a little bit more, <laughs> um, just because I'm, I'm not as fit as I once was, and the climbing gets me. But uh, and I'm and I'm rubbish at it. I, I you know I'm I'm not boasting about me being a great downhill. I I would do maybe maybe a little bit of the black diamond stuff, but nothing really. Um, oh, but I did see that you were out there. Um, doing it tell me about that how was that experience <laughs> so yeah my coach dan plues uh he started mountain biking earlier this year and um just with everything going on and i mean the the fact of racing not really happening he was like, oh we should just just come out and do a few mountain bikes i was like yeah that's a good idea so i did, did a couple of mountain bikes with him and he's like hey, i'm gonna do the fucker like it's called the fucker 100 um i was like Oh, yes, sweet. Why not? Yeah, this sounds like a good challenge. Uh, sweet. Yeah, 100 k's. That'll be three, three and a half hours. Yeah, good. That's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> on a mountain bike, if you're averaging 15 k's an hour, it's good on single track. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So my three, three and a half hour event turned into, um, I think at the end of the day, my ride time was uh, just under six hours, but my, um, I, I got a flat tire. The tube that because I bought I, so I my my bike my mountain bike that I have is from two thousand and nine, um, <laughs> twenty six inch wheels and and apparently I I learned about this dropper post and like a dropper post who who has a of dropper course. post what's a dropper post so um, who's your bike sponsor mate? <laughs> who, who you got sponsoring you now they need to get you on a nice twenty nine er with a nice dropper post and- yeah that, that would be oh, great man. yeah no I'm, uh, I'm I'm waiting for my BMC one to make it down here. Um, mm. But you know, I just, I just, oh, I wasn't sure how much I was going to do, so I, I borrowed a friend's bike, and um, yeah, so I g- gave it a go. So anyway, I got a flat tire. Um, his his bike was, I mean, a few years new, newer than mine. I think he was like maybe a two thousand and thirteen, two thousand and fourteen. So I had the twenty nines. I had a drop post. 
um, but he didn't have tubeless, so he still had tubes inside his tires. And so I got the flat tire, put a put a new tube in, and unfortunately the the tube is like they're different um, the size, like the the like the diameter was correct, but it didn't inflate enough to fill up the tire. So I pumped it up and like the tire is still baggy. I can feel the tube underneath suit rock hard, but the tire is just moving around. And anyway, that lasted for maybe two kilometers until that, that blew. And, um, and then had to wait about 20, 25 minutes for someone to yeah give me, give me a, um, a, a tube. Um, because everyone rides tubeless, so no one has a tube. And then, I mean, you're stuck in the middle of a forest. There's, there's not much help out there, so no one wants to give you their last tube just in case, in case they get a they get a flat. So I was I was lucky when someone did did hand hand one over, um, yeah. and yeah, just groveled home. Um, I tell you what, though, I I went in think like through the training for it. I was like, yeah, cool, Dan. Yeah, sweet, it's fun. I, I started my skill started getting good on the downhill. Um, at least better than Dan's on the downhill. <laughs> My uphill fitness was, yeah, the fitness was still there or thereabouts. Um, and I'm like, I'll just, we'll just ride together, Dan. It'll just, just be fun. And as the days got closer to the race, I'm like, nah, I think I'm gonna give this a nudge. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it a nudge, but it'll be a controlled nudge. I'm gonna be smart about it. It'll be a controlled nudge. And the gun went off and. I have a fairly low heart rate. My heart rate was like 160 for the first hour, which is kind of like my anaerobic threshold heart rate. <laughs> just trying to keep up with the top two girls, not, not even the guys, just the, the top couple girls. Uh, yes, yeah, so oh, assuming the rubber band broke and I was, um, yeah, like after a couple of hours, I was like, oh, geez, maybe I went too hard too, too soon. Isn't it amazing when you leave what we've kind of become accustomed to, you know, the swimming, biking, running, and then you go and you do do these other sports. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's absolutely insane. I had um, Nino Schurter actually on one of the episodes here, right, which was I was really excited about because I've become a bit of a groupie since yeah, I yeah. got into mountain biking in 2016. I watched them all on Red Bull TV and, and Nino Schurter agreed to coming on the show. You know, he's an eight-time cool. world champion. He has a, a bronze, a silver, and now a gold in the, at the Olympics. Um, just one of the all-time great cyclists of the world, and and he came on, and we were we were talking about you know power and his aerobic threshold and everything else, and just the amount of, and then I had Kate Courtney come on also, uh, the American uh, yeah. woman who's the world champion, and, uh, and and it's funny when we talk about all these other sports, and you think, oh yeah, I'm fit. Oh yeah, I'll give it a go, and then you realize how rubbish you are, isn't it? Isn't it great? It's, it's like it really puts you in your place, doesn't it? Oh. But then again, people think because you're a world champion triathlete, well then you must be able to be good at it too. So other people put expectations on you, and you're like, no, I, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I'm just no. learning how to try and stay upright on this thing. No, yeah, I would hate to see what I'd like uh, be like at a CrossFit competition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> being super fit and going to CrossFit, I like. Yeah, and I could just see all the girls would be smoking me. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But you're a pretty strong build. It wouldn't take you too long to pick it up. All for show, not think- for dough. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I've uh, Since retiring, I did hit the gym pretty hard myself. I, I kind of wanted to get put on a – I don't know, I just feel like a normal bloke, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. put on a bit of muscle. So I am up to about 80 kilograms right oh. now. I'd like to say it's all muscle, but – Yeah, no, well, it's I'm about sure 10. it is. Well, it's probably no. I'm probably about seventy eight, seventy nine. I'm probably just under eighty in fairness. But it's ten kilos, yeah, um, just over twenty pounds. But it does feel good to be able to lift things and be strong and do chin ups and pull ups and 
I don't know. It's, it, it, yeah. it does feel good. But at the same time, this morning I did four by 1K on the treadmill. <laughs> and I was like, I'm trying to see if I can build my 5K pace back up because I did take about two or three years off running. And I, I was running today 320K pace for okay. my intervals for four of them. Yeah. But, mate, and it's taken me, I've been working towards this for about 10 weeks now. <laughs> um, and it was just four of them. I am so sore and I imploded so badly. <laughs> it, and you remember, I mean, you're in this world. 320k was almost you you kind of it's fast but it's kind of your tempo effort when you're, yeah it's you know, kind of like a good half iron man post yeah exactly yeah. Good half iron man <laughs> oh mate so when you carry this extra 10 kilograms of muscle it, it is fairly brutal um but tell me also about that that rotorua trails i've heard amazing things about that some of the best mountain biking trails in the world yeah it was it was it was insane um so, I mean, I don't think we touched everything, but apparently there's 200 kilometers of single track trails in there. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it. I, I like the challenge and um, and just like we, we have a we have another trail here um, in Auckland called Woodhill. Um, and I went there a few times and when I first went out, I was like, oh, man, this, this feels pretty big. It feels like there's a lot of trails there. But you go to Rotorua and you just realize how small everything else is compared compared to what they have on mm. on tap there. And, mm. I mean, you've got big climbs, big downhills. And what I'm used to here in uh, Woodhill, I think the downhills maybe take oh, a couple minutes here or there. Uh, there was one downhill in the race, um, must have been about 60 kilometers in, and it was a long, long downhill. You're going down for like five, seven minutes, probably standing up, and, and, and your hands get sore. My hands were like sore. Yeah, and I started pedaling out the other side, and my hamstring started cramping so badly, <laughs> like so badly from standing up on the and yeah, just using your legs as shock absorbers on the on the down. Yeah. And yeah. I, oh, I felt like such an idiot because the the night before, one of Dan's buddies was around, and he was like. Oh yeah, you 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 taking some uh, soy sauce or something for for the cramp? And I'm like, mate, Dan and I don't cramp. What are you talking about? And uh, <laughs> sure enough, it's sixty kilometers. I'm like eating my words. <laughs> <laughs> well, I need to get you over to join me at uh. We go up to Winter Park in Colorado. They have a great downhill park. Oh yeah, there. So and, wait, and I do. A minute. You're not you're not catching the shuttle up the hill and riding down the hill, are you? Yeah, yeah. Come yeah, on, you, you know, not 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 the shuttle. You catch the the chairlifts. Okay, the chairlift okay, take okay. take you all the way. Up. It's the most social fun day <laughs> you could have. No, because I go, I've had my brothers join me a couple of times. Yeah. And, and yeah, it really is. You, cool. you, cool. You're social on the chairlift on the way up. You hang out, and then you're all rubbish at it, which makes it even more fun. You know, you start with the green runs and then go to the blue. But and you don't do the whole mountain in one sort of right. You know, you do like a couple of minutes, and then you wait for your mates and see who okay. who made it down, and you go, oh, you made it over that jump, yeah. And or you wait longer than that, and they turn up and they've got like you know dirt all over them, and you know, oh, where'd you wipe out? You know, and it's just, I mean, it's it, it is a, it is a really fun time. People yeah. do get hurt though in saying that. You know, my younger brother did come with me, and he didn't have medical, he didn't have insurance, poor bugger, and and uh, he broke his kneecap. Oh, um, so it, so you do have to be careful. Oh, but okay. I, I've had a good time on the mountain. Um, yeah, it is fun. Look, I want to keep moving this show on. Let's wind enough the about clock. Mountain biking. No, enough about mountain biking. No, everybody. Mountain bike show. Terenzo, he's actually a triathlete. For everybody, if you don't know, um, let's let's wind this clock back and tell me about you know how this all started for you and and, and when you found your passion for endurance sports because your resume is a, a, in your junior years is quite outstanding. How did it all start? 
Um, so I, well, I was born in South Africa. Um, played, yeah, did a, did a lot of sports. Karate was a big, big sport for me growing up. Um, and swimming, of course. Uh, moved to New Zealand in '96. I was 11 years old. And um, yes, I guess swimming was probably my big focus. I was a breaststroke swimmer. Hated hated freestyle and hated swimming open water. Um, we would go down to the lake with the swim squad, something some, like maybe a couple mornings a year, and I would just freak out and just like almost have to get someone to rescue me out of the <laughs> out of the lake. Um, uh, that progressed though. So anyway, um, I was 13 years old and we were on holiday and uh, um, I was into surfing and wakeboarding and anyway we were we had a boat and I was wakeboarding behind the boat and tried to do a backflip. And, um, yeah, land, ended up landing on my head and popped my eardrum. And so I just, I, yeah, kept going on with life as, as, as normal. Finally, the eardrum wasn't healing and the, the specialist said, yeah, we need to get you in for surgery to close it up. And, and they went in and uh, found that the tissue had, from popping my eardrum inwards with the water, the tissue, the eardrum tissue had burst inwards. And with all the swimming I was doing, um, it was just feeding that tissue to keep growing over my inner ear. And ended up being a seven-hour operation with them, kind of just slowly scraping, scraping away all the tissue inside there. Because they said if, if we don't leave any tissue, the tissue could keep growing and it could form a brain abscess. Um, so they had to get that. Were you off. out? Were you out for that? Yeah, that- yeah, yeah. I was, I was yeah. fast asleep. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So fine for me, but I, yeah, I, I wonder how much stress it was on my parents. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and yeah, ended up I had probably four or five operations all up on my ear just for kind of because they had to cut out a bunch of the hearing bones. Um, and I went back in and put uh, titanium prosthesis, so like a titanium hearing bone in there, and uh, like a repair one for um, for the eardrum. There was another one, but anyway, the after the first one, the, the specialist said, "Yeah, now you have to stay out of the water for a while." Um, and I guess as a kid, I always had a little bit of a little bit too much energy, so. I had to find something to do, and I borrowed a friend's bike and started doing um, well training for a duathlon. So yeah, run, bike, run, um, and gave that a crack. It were, I think I've probably finished maybe tenth out of fifteen people. Um, got off the did the run, got to the bike, got off the bike, and fell over the bike because no one warned me that your legs feel like shit when you jump off a bike. <laughs> uh, but I loved it. I just I loved the variety, and I mean after spending. 20 hours in a pool looking at a black line a week it was it was a it was a welcome change and I just ran with it started doing duathlons very seriously and went to the world champs and finally when I was allowed back I think I was 19th maybe at my first world champs in Calais in France um and finally when I was allowed back swimming I started yeah it's like no no way am I going back to being a breaststroker I'm gonna suck it up learn how to swim open water and learn how to swim freestyle and um go from there and yeah that's when triathlon started and it's yeah never yeah i've never really questioned it and i was i guess thankful for the opportunity and and it was yeah who knows if if i didn't pop my eardrum if i would have found that path so i guess everything happens for a reason to a certain extent isn't it isn't it funny when you look at life like that i mean that's how you have to look at life isn't it (laughs) good things happen because of bad you know these these bad moments but was there a point i mean you talk about finding duathlon run bike run and uh you know and then going to world champs when in there i mean you were you're a schoolboy you were doing quite well nationally in schoolboy running i mean was that your sort of first pats on the back that hey maybe i'm a reasonable endurance athlete 
Yeah, I think, yeah, that, that, I mean, I, when I first started doing the duathlon, it was, I must have been 13, 14 years old. Um, so pretty, yeah, pretty young. I just started high school. Um, I just kind of jumped, I jumped into the whole endurance thing. And, and at the start, it, it took me, took me a couple of years of, yeah, I was, I was solid, but I wasn't, yeah, I, I, I didn't win anything for the first few years. But then finally, I think I got to 15, 16 and, um, and yeah, started winning all the high school stuff, like the national cross countries and uh, track races, and doing quite well on a few of the um, the bike races as well. And and then of course, yeah, uh, two thousand and one. So I was sixteen years old in um, Rimini in Italy for the first my first world world champs that I won. So it was like, yeah, I guess that was probably that was the the first sign of yes, yeah, I, I can. Uh, I, I'm I'm okay. I can make a run with this and, and give it a go. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I can win world juniors at 16. Uh, you were 16 in Rimini, right? Yeah. 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 My goodness. Yeah. I mean, have you been tested? Like, what's your VO2 max and things? Were you were you some kind? Of, I mean, that's a that's pretty uh, outstanding. I did. Yeah, I did do a VO2. Um, would I've been in the high 70s? Does that sound? That'd be about right. I mean, yeah. look, there's guys. Much higher than that. I had um, Christian Blumenfeld on. I think he said he was ninety or something. <laughs> uh, but they get tested every six weeks, so I feel like he's starting to figure out how to work the, yeah. the VO2 machine or something. I mean, but I have seen him race too, so it wouldn't surprise me uh, yeah, if he yeah. does have something like that. He's incredible. Oh, he is. Uh, a, he's an axe. Yeah. And uh, I had um. Do you know a guy by the name of Kai Hurst? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. One of the great watermen of the world. Yeah. I, I had him on just last week and. Uh, we ended the show and I, I, I asked him that question, you know, have you, have you been tested or whatever? Because, oh, I was tested and they said that my lung capacity was 10.2 litres. <laughs> That's, you know, the average man is six litres, right? I'm like, <laughs> just, I'm like, no wonder you can go under these enormous waves and just, you know, you're just a freak of an athlete. Oh, um, anyway, yeah. yeah. So go, I, look, and then you, I also saw that you, um, just in terms of running, you came second at the Oceania champs in the 5,000 meters when you were like 17 and ran a 15 minutes. Was it 15 flat or something? Yeah, 15 flat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So there was, yeah, there was, there was, I, I really enjoyed running and, and training quite hard. Um, and that's the thing, I guess, when you're doing that short course stuff, you can do the, the training you're doing and you look at the likes of Hayden Wild, who's a young um, mm. New Zealand ITU guy, and, um, and just some of the times he's run on the track. Uh, yeah, he just makes the makes the fifteen minutes look like a look like a stroll. I think he um <laughs> he went uh, thirty low or mid thirteens uh, about end of last year for a five k. My goodness, uh, that's amazing how fast they're all going now, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> I mean, Richard Murray, Mario Mola, uh, yes. Johnny Brownlee—they've all gone under fourteen minutes this year. Um, I know Vincent Lewis, who hasn't gone and done his five k time trial, but has outrun them all. Um, it's just like, what are they doing? Yeah, like, what? Are, like, it's unbelievable oh, how fast they're going. I mean, guess let me just branch off a little bit here and sidetrack because that got me on uh, the Olympics for you. I mean, I feel like you're one of the greatest short course athletes before you went long to not go to the Olympics. <laughs> now, was this a conscious thing that it didn't interest you? Was it politics in New Zealand sport? What was it that, you know, you, not going to the Olympics? Yeah, it, it, it did interest me. I was, yeah, I was I was very, very focused on that. I, I really wanted to get the Olympic ring tattoo. Um <laughs> 
Um, no, I yeah, that, that was everything until 2008. I ha- I had started dabbling in a few 70.3s before that, but it was it was not to take away from from my intention over the ITU distance. I was I was just doing it kind of at the end of a strength block and and thought yeah why not. Um, but I yeah 2008 that was kind of I had done a few years training with Simon Woodfield. Um, I think yeah, and you were there one year. I think, um, in Victoria. Um, and I, yeah, I thought, yeah, cool. I I can go to the Olympics. Um, uh, the, oh, in 2007, we had, we had world champs in Hamburg. And then I think two weeks later was a test race in Beijing. Beijing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Over the course. Um, I kind of, yeah, I ended up having, but so the test race was our selection race. Um, but ended up getting to world champs and came seventh. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I, I had, I had a very good race for sure. I, I kind of felt like I, in the back of my mind, I, I thought, oh, yeah, no, the selection race is in a couple of weeks. So I kind of just had one click on the handbrake. I, I thought. Um, and then when the selection race came around, it just did not go my way, um, and just finished somewhere, somewhere in the middle of the field, I think. Um, but. From there, so our next selection race was in 2008 in Malulubar in March. And every year in Malulubar leading into that, and basically every year after that selection race, there's been a group of eight guys out of the swim. They stay away on the bike and they run. And for a bunch of years, it was 32 minutes and you'd win win the race or high 31s and you'd win the race. Um, So I was like, yep, sweet, that's going to happen for sure. So I worked on my swimming. I came out the water with Marco Albert. I think I was on on his on his yeah second second out of transition, um, and before we get to the first climb, so two kilometers into the into the ride, uh, the whole field is is together. Um, I was like, damn, the one year. <laughs> um, and yeah, so the and I got got off the bike. I think I ran thirty one mid mid thirty ones or so. Um, I had to come top eight to make the team, I think. But yeah, I was I was just outside of that. I was still the first Kiwi who hadn't been selected. I think um, yeah, Bevan and Chris, Bevan Doherty and Chris Gemmel were in the team. Um, they were looking to put in the third third one. Um, and yeah, they, I, uh, I'm, well, they they put in Shane Reed. Um, he yeah he he made he made the team and they the, well the, yeah it was completely up to the selectors discretion neither of us had met the uh met the qualification standard um but yeah they they decided to put him in and he had yeah it was basically his last race was the olympics um and that was you know, kind of my incredible. last draw i was like you know what nah, stop it <laughs> don't need to don't need to put up with the politics and um and i'm decent at the long course stuff so um, and again, didn't make the Olympics, but went on and won the um, the seventy point three world champs that year. So that's right. Yeah. Just a quick mini break before we get back to the show. I just want to remind you guys to go check out athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Sign up and get your free 20 daily travel packets with your first order of $79 added value. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. What was interesting about you, you brushed over the 2007 world champs in Hamburg, is the guy, you came seventh, the guy right in front of you in sixth place. Do you remember who that was? 
It was Jan Frodeno. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> who went on to win the 2008 Olympic gold. Uh, he was only six seconds in front of you. Um, the other two guys that were in front of you was Javier Gomez and Simon Whitfield. Uh, Whitfield, of course, got a silver medal in Beijing and uh, yeah. Javier was fourth. So, I mean, your, your performance at that world championship, you were two spots in front of Bevan Doherty, your, your teammate who did get the bronze at the 2008 Olympics. So even if you just look at that Hamburg result, um, I think the selectors were mad. Thanks, Bill. I mean, uh, well, I mean... No disrespect to Shane, lovely guy, incredible. Oh, uh, yeah, Shane and I got on really but, well. But but taking taking friendships out of it, just looking at the scoreboard, it, it really it really doesn't make sense to me. And uh, it was funny, Malulaba for me was one of my last World Cups, and I was just doing it as a training hit out. I had no idea that it was a selection race for the Australian team, and um, so I just came off my aerobic block, and I had a great race. A bit like I was the opposite to you. I was like, oh great, the whole packs come together. <laughs> And then I, I came fifth that night. They said, oh, Greg, you're on the Australian Olympic team. I was like, what? I didn't even know it was a slick. And then don't get me wrong, we, we lost our third spot. Um, the Russians came very good that year in 2008 and uh, and we the Australians, we lost I'll our third spot. So I didn't actually get – I didn't compete in, in the end. Um, but it was, a, it was a funny kind of little – I don't know. For me, I'd killed myself to make the Olympics in 2000, didn't make it, had a whole court case, everything else. 2004, finally made it, you know, and whatever. And But it, again, I thought I'd, I wasn't going in 2004. And then, oh, wait, it was almost like they just – it's not that they gave it to me. I had a good race, but unknowingly yeah, yeah, yeah. had a good race in a selection trial. So it was kind of <laughs> like, yeah. But I I even think – I'm throwing it out there for you. I know Kona Ironman is what you want. Yes. And after watching your race in Island House oh, – you could come back to the, you could do the Olympics, mate. They need, Hayden Wild needs a teammate, you need somebody there. I'm not saying that you can outrun them for the gold medal, but I still think that there's potential there. What do you think? Uh, well, after Island House, I, I did seriously put some th- thought into it and, and maybe not even so much for the individual race, but more for the, um, yeah, the, the, the relay. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. No, I did think about it, but realistically for, for me, that's, that's not where my focus is. I, if I'm gonna, yeah, um, if I'm gonna put my eggs in the in the basket, I need to, yeah, I guess I put, it, put them in one basket. <laughs> I, I I get it, I get it, and and you know, I often ask, at what point did you know you go all in into the sport? And I feel like you've been all in since you started. You know, in your junior ranks, you've you've been somebody that's been really, really trying to you know leave no stone unturned. Um, it's been quite incredible to watch, but I think. You know, you mentioned Hawaii, Kona. You've trained with Chris McCormack, who went on to win in 2010. You've trained with Jan Frodeno, who went on to win in 2016. I think you were training with him in Girona. You've seen what the best are doing. Do you believe you you have it, what's going to be needed to win Kona? I I think I do. I think... I mean, there's a few things that need to line up for sure. And I think, um, I mean, with the way the sport's going, I think for anyone to win it, they need things to line up. But I think, um, yeah, consistency with, with training and, and a good training block is is one of them. Um, having a having a good race, that kind of race that, that like you said, that, that race that oh, felt easy, um, just where your body comes to the party and you can have that good race and, and probably a little bit of luck as well. So I think, uh, I mean, if everything... If the stars aligned, um, it's definitely possible. So, how would you win it? Take me through it. <laughs> um, oh, geez, I don't. Um, 
Come on, you visualized it a thousand times. Come on now, stop pretending you can't see it. <laughs> You're not arrogant. You're not arrogant. Yeah, yeah, no. It's just showing. I guess I would see it as, um, I mean, how the, how the race would unfold is it would be, um, I mean, yeah, there would be a, a bunch and the, the bunch usually comes together quite big at the start of the ride and, and that, that peters off halfway through. Um, so being in that in that front bunch of seven to ten guys coming coming into town with with someone off the front or a few guys off the front but not not too far, and then just putting together that good run where where I guess you you run a lead, you drive fast but but when once you get to the Queen K you you still have uh, plenty left in the tank and you can kind of start start turning the screws and and mm. you're not you're not you're not blowing up when you get into the energy lab you're just uh, yeah just getting going. No, that sounds that sounds like a good plan. Yeah. Isn't it easy to talk about? Exactly. It's so much harder to Jeez. execute. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. And I'm running down a leaky drive, and there's my first Kona win. Anyway, <laughs> I think that's fantastic. What, what has been your best marathon that you've done in, um, in, in the Ironman? Uh, be New Zealand or Cairns in 2017. Uh, sorry, 2018. Yeah, 2018. Sorry, when yeah, uh, New Zealand or Cairns. Um, I think I was 244 and 243. Okay. Yeah, perfect. So you're right there. I mean, that's they're the numbers you need to be hearing if you're going to win Kona. Yeah, if you have you a good know. if you have a good ride and putting putting a run like that together. Um, mm. Yeah. Now, you can't do any of this on your own. Tell me about you know you, we've mentioned Kelly earlier in the show, but you know, we can give her another big shout out now, but tell me about your team and, and the relationships that you have behind you that are, that are helping you put all this in place. Yeah. Um, well, I, so my coach, uh, Dan Plews, he's, he's doing a great job with, with everything at the moment. Um, he, yeah, he's, he's actually started, um, this online coaching or online learning platform in IQ. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just interesting. He's, he's really big in the low carb, high fat, uh, diet, and we've implemented a lot of that into different types or different periods of the year and different types of training, and found that's been quite beneficial. Um, and yeah, Dan, I mean Dan's just oh you know, he's a good friend as well, and and just I've I've really enjoyed working with him about that. It was probably a, a change I needed. Um, I had always worked with a coach, John Ackland, before that, and and John John and I are still really good friends, and I uh, he helped me achieve so much throughout my career. But I guess yeah, just having a different Different kind of perspective and different stimulus um, created is was was very beneficial for me, and that's kind of when we started. Yeah, it was probably about a year of working together when um, we started. Uh, yeah, that that 2017 2018 period rolled around. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, Dan Dan has been a, been a huge part of it, and this year this year has been an interesting one because it's. I mean, every, all the motivation's been up and down, and and, and trying to. At the beginning, it was it was okay, yeah, cool to to manage things and and periodize the training in the sense that yeah, cool, the the world's going to open up by September, October. Um, but that was uh, soon a reality that that was not going to happen. Um, so yeah, just trying to manage manage training and manage manage life and stuff around that has has been difficult. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I mean, of course, of course, some sponsors. Um, and I mean, the the team at Bahrain has been has been huge. Mac has done a done a great job putting that team together and and managing and maintaining that team. And I'm very thankful for that partnership because I mean, it's pretty tough times at the moment. So, so having them kind of step up and and uh, be there and and it's been a fun 
it's more than anything, it's actually been a fun team to be a part of uh, when we go to races, especially the races in the Middle East, and we're all hanging out at the end of the year and catching up and, and having a good time. It's, uh, it actually makes it a lot of fun to to be able to – it's like it's kind of like those early ITU days because you, you go to a 70.3 or an Ironman race now and you're pretty much focused in your in your zone and you finish the race and, and you, you disappear. But to be able to sit there and, and hang out, have, have dinners with, with your teammates in a sense – um, but just yeah, your peers and your friends um, just makes it a little bit more yeah, I guess enjoyable and brings back a bit bit more of that fun side of things. Mm. And what about your your family? The, your your parents? I used to see them at all the races. <laughs> you know, although they had an excuse to go to Noosa for holidays, I think. But yeah, yeah. I always saw them up there. Yeah, um, yeah. No, the mum mom and dad are great. They're keeping out of trouble, and um, yeah, no, I'm, the, this. <laughs> To have this for me to have the support that, that from my my parents in the early days and then from my wife um, now, now that we're married um, has been huge. Just to say, yeah, cool, I can go follow follow my dreams and aspirations, and they will support me unconditionally and and all the way. And and I mean, Kelly would often make it possible to I'd go training, and she, I mean, we've been together sixteen odd years, so she knows what it's all about. Um, and she's like, yeah, no, cool. If we're away on camp, she'll say, yeah, cool. I'll take the kids out um, after this workout so you can have a nap. And she, yeah, she just knows how it works. So, so me being around for twelve months straight uh, during COVID has actually been pretty tough because she's like, well, hang on a minute, I didn't sign up for you being at home all year round. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> hang on, you better get out and do something. How about a hundred k mountain bike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if she's the one that planted this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's great and dan plues in his own right is a incredible athlete doesn't he have like the age group kona record yeah he does he does i'll i'll take credit for that um you'll take credit for that. <laughs> he can take credit for my achievements i'll take credit for his <laughs> that's great yeah, no, you guys were training buddies for that i guess or, yeah i mean yeah, well he was yeah. still working i think three three jobs in the lead-in um but we did wow we did manage to get a kona camp well this was yeah he won it the year after my well the year of my accident so um that was when i was still thinking yeah cool i'm gonna go to kona so we um we had actually planned earlier that year we had planned a trip to kona um for mm. a couple of weeks and yeah, we went up and, and did that training block together. And so I was basically his whipper boy, which was, yeah, that's that's why I said I'll take credit. <laughs> that's, uh, it's, it's great, isn't it? Nice when you can be on the other side. But I feel like you've given, I think you've given quite a few guys, you're like the ultimate training partner. If I look at Dan being the fastest ever age group time, you've got Maka winning his 2010 and Jan winning his 2016 man. I don't know, mate. You should be just pimping yourself out as a, as a training buddy to yeah. anybody that wants to win Kona. Sign up. <laughs> That's Shit. remarkable. Hopefully I'll get a ride for myself one day. <laughs> you just need a mirror image of yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what about like, you know, as you prepare prepare for these big races and you've overcome so many obstacles and hurdles as we've gone through th- throughout this chat, but, you know, how are you preparing yourself for the big day mentally? Um, are you somebody that you know, practices meditation or visualizing or affirmations? Is it, how are you controlling your mind as you, as you get ready for these big performances? Yeah. Um, meditation's a huge one. I think, um, I, 
and I know it's not something you should just do before races, and, and I'm not saying it is, but I, I definitely think I, I need to try and incorporate it more into my everyday life. Um, and I find when I do it, uh, I find the benefit. Um, but it's something I definitely, when I'm getting closer to an event, I definitely make time for um, and find that really just helps. Um, I guess, yeah, just calm the mind and and um, that along with uh, good like race planning. So I always write a race plan out with um, what, how I envisage the race unfolding, um, the 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 crunch like the decision-making times I, I see and, and what decisions I will make in those times. So that I find with having a good race plan, good understanding and imp- this, um, implementing that into, I guess, into my subconscious awareness a little bit more along with the meditation to kind of calm, ease my mind, get rid of all the other shit that doesn't need to be hanging around. Um, mm. I find just puts me in a really stable mindset before going into the race. Are you using uh, like – word affirmations once you're in the race uh, any kind of mental cues or, or how, do, how do you approach it once you're in the race um yeah and, and so i mean i was going to say like you you would know when, when you're racing well you can't you, you almost it's almost like nothing's happening in a, in a sense like it's mm. everything's just switched mm. off and, and you're in this in this zone where you don't don't need to do or say anything everything just flows out and and that's a pretty great state to be in. But mm. we all know that <laughs> races like that and mindsets like that are few and far between. Um, <laughs> yeah. How do we get there? <laughs> so what, are, what, what are the little buttons that we press to make that happen? Yeah. I mean, are you working on that, trying to identify those buttons that you can kind of get there more often? Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, trying to. But then the other thing is with an Ironman is, is over such a long period, you're going to have those really you, – you're bound to have a period where you feel bad. And it's very easy in those periods to feel bad to kind of forget about what you need, to, like to, to dwell on feeling bad or dwell on mistakes you've made instead of trying to use those key, those, those key words or keys that you've said to yourself or that should bring you back into that zonal space. Mm. Um, I think Mark cool. Allen put it better. Have, did you listen to the, if you get a chance, listen to the Mark Allen conversation I had back yeah. in, well, it was almost this time last year, but it came out in January, February, and and he was fascinating because he's just all about reducing the noise. Yes, right. Like just, just it's not about being positive. It's not about cues for him. It was more about just quietening the mind. Yeah, that's his exact quote. I just had to quieten my mind, and and that was something that he practiced daily because he said it, you can't just have it when you turn up to a race no. you've got to practice it all the time and it's been something i've been wor- working on a little bit a lot this year actually just i don't call it quietening the mind i like to kind of say reducing negativity okay you know, i think rather than trying to be positive there's this whole world out there well, i'll be positive be happy and i'm kind of like yeah that's kind of really hard you know that's that's but reducing the negativity yeah, reducing like the noise i can get my head around that's simply turning off the tv or, or not opening social media sometimes you know it's like this uh or not complaining and just trying to practice being grateful. Yeah. It's amazing how I, if I do those things, it's amazing how that turned around. And, and I, I just had uh, Ben Hoffman on and Tim O'Donnell said the same thing with their great performances in Kona last year. They both raced being grateful for being there. Yeah, And just that word being grateful or thankful, um, they put themselves in a really good place. Yeah, You know, it, those kind of key words seem to just – 
well, calm the mind like you were talking about. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Oh, for um, sure. yeah, that, that is. And when you say that, I, also, I kind of think back to 2017, it was, yeah, I was, I mean, I had a very average year before that and I was a little bit injured um, when we were training up in San Diego before it. So, yeah, it was, I mean, we just took all the pressure off and just go, yeah, no, I'm, I'm thankful or grateful to, to be here and to be able to, yeah, just do it. And uh, mm. I mean, when the result came, it was it was a, it was an extra bonus. But um, <laughs> after my my last two failed attempts to make it to the finish line, I think anything would have been good. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it's not an easy race. I mean, something unusual about Kona. I've only done it the once, and I didn't do it well. <laughs> um, but it was nice to tick a box. Uh, I mean, you're somebody that's I've I've never seen anybody sweat. You have a sweat rate that is off the chart. I remember our times in Phuket. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. And, and you, I was like, this guy knows how to sweat, which is both a healthy thing, but something you've got to be aware of in terms of fluid loss. How have you yeah. been able to manage that through your nutrition and and everything else with these long races? Yeah, so I guess earlier on, I I was really conscious. Oh my god, I sweat a lot. I need to I need to be replacing extra sodium and. Um, so going to the race, I put too much sodium into me and end up swelling up like a oompa loompa and can't see out of my eyes by the time we get to 30Ks into the run. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I kind of just simplified it a lot more and just go, yeah, no, I don't, I don't actually need that much sodium. Um, so I kind of just, yeah, dropped drop the amount of sodium I was putting in, dropped drop that right down. Um, still had electrolytes and, and I would, I think I... Um, uh, had yeah electrolytes in one bottle and then had my all my calories and uh, took my calories in separately. Um, so the yeah cliff I think um, probably through the, through the ride maybe ten cliff cliff shots and a bunch of the cliff blocks. Um, so yeah, as soon as I kind of simplified it a bit and um, stopped overthinking and putting too much too much of everything in it uh it seemed to make a big difference i mean the amount of times you can go out there train for i mean on in kona especially i would go and do massive days and you know drink less than less than one bottle an hour um and it's like well you don't actually need that much you can <laughs> you have a problem when you cross the finish line and you're you're heavier than you were at the start so you kind of <laughs> you can afford to be a couple kilos sort of yeah, a few pounds lighter yeah. at the finish so yeah have have you been experimenting with that like are you doing are you in the lab and for my research you you're doing a fair bit with your general health um you know is that are you still doing that you're doing a bit of yeah you know, hair samples i saw and all of that kind of stuff yeah yeah had some yeah the hair sample stuff and that, that's quite just interesting on yeah i guess gen, general health and well-being side of things which which i think is really important um that that's cellular health and making sure your cells are healthy so you can recover quicker um I uh, yeah, I find I find really good benefits in looking after that side of my body, um, mm. and then with the research side of things, yeah, as we were getting close to well, um, with the Kona stuff, we would um, Dan Dan would jump put me in with um, a couple of his PhD students who he oversees when they're doing um, heat studies, and just mm. to kind of get a little bit little bit of a. Um, yeah, just an idea of how my body reacts in the heat and um, what we could do to change that. And then when we were training in Kona, we we um, yeah we did a lot with uh, like a um, 
core temperature um, pill. That we could kind of monitor the core temperature and, and just see how that changed through, through the day. Um, mm. Yeah. It's it's all it's amazing the new science that we all have you know to approach. It's not just more aerodynamics on the bike and everything else, but understanding keeping the body cool, yes. you know, hydrated, and then fueled. I mean, they always say it's the you know it's the fourth it's the fourth beast is nutrition and hydration. You know, it's one thing to be able to swim, bike, and run, but you've got to be able to get the nutrition right. Oh, exactly. And, um, you you mentioned that Dan has you doing, you know, low carbs, higher higher fat. Are you guys experimenting with ketones and that kind of thing? Yeah, so yeah, we've we've trained a little bit on on ketones, um, and I'll do some workouts where, where I put exogenous ketones in my bottle and uh, and go off that. I'll monitor monitor my ketone levels throughout, sometimes throughout the ride, or sometimes just after after a ride and run workout, um, just to see what the levels are and, and how that fluctuates along along with my glucose levels. Um, we would do. Yeah, I guess, I mean, the, the diet side of things day to day, we I definitely made a conscious shift to lower the carb intake. But hey, being an Italian man, you know, you got to eat the pizza and the pasta. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then, um, and then, yeah, certain workouts, like if it's an aerobic, aerobic ride or um, an Ironman effort ride, we would uh, kind of go into that with a low carb dinner the night before and, and no breakfast before the workout. Just to kind of uh, yeah, kick that kick uh, the body into ketosis a little bit quicker. It's amazing how you can over time it just gets easier and easier to do that, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's like uh, you, you think, oh, there's no way. I think by the time I retired and I I, I decided not to do Ironmans and I, I really wasn't enjoying seventy point three that much, but I was enjoying some of the training and and being able to go for these five hour bike rides yeah. just with two bottles of water, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe a salt tablet. <laughs> yeah. I felt fine the whole way. Yeah, you know, it was almost like what. Yeah. You know, because when I did do Kona and a couple of Ironmans in 2012, I was listening to all the all the nonsense out there and I was loading up on everything and all I had I had so many carbs and I, I think all I did was go up and down with uh insulin um, yeah. throughout the whole Kona race. It was just I felt great, felt fantastic, and then it felt rubbish. Um oh, it was wow. just whereas I felt like going on that that lower carb, you know, getting into ketosis state was really it's amazing how you can train that and feel better. Yeah. And has that been something that you think, you know, in 2017, 18 was working for you? It was a good transition? Yeah, I definitely think there were there were benefits of of doing it. Um yeah, yeah. No, I I even I mean, I I think I went really extreme in 2019, beginning of 2019. I was really, really focused on a low carb, um, high fat diet. Unfortunately, yeah, just didn't really have any good races in 2019 to to say yeah it worked well. But um, yeah, 2017, 18, um, there was we had yeah there, there was definitely a shift in my day to day diet, and then there was the the workouts we would do fasted, which was um, yeah which became quite quite common. Yeah, yeah. Well, what are you doing in terms of sleep and recovery? Um, how are you prioritizing that? Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, this year's a little all over the show. Um, but I mean, in in a perfect world, when when training training is going pretty hard, um, yeah, Janet, we're we're in bed. So I try try get a good amount of sleep. We're in bed by nine, but I wake up at five ish for uh, go swim swim training. Decent squad of us that goes early, um, and then I'll usually have a forty minute. You, 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 it ends up being forty minutes, nine times out of ten, a forty-minute nap in the middle of the day, 
um, usually chuck my normal text on to, and that the ryth- rhythmicness of it just puts me to sleep. Um, Isn't it the best? Yeah. Isn't it the, best? <laughs> the amount of time. I mean, this is pre kids, my world, but I used to love popping in the normal text yeah. and putting on a, I don't know, something on even a bike race with Phil Liggett's voice in the yeah, background yeah. or. Or uh, the NFL. <laughs> I, I fell asleep every time with just the compression and the, the monitoring. It's the best. I think you're crazy if you don't have Normatec boots in your in your house and uh, and you, you you're doing this sport because yeah. I think they're just worst case scenario. Worst case, they force you to do nothing. Yes, you, yes. You can't get up. Yeah. You can't get up. Yeah. So you're stuck there for half hour, forty minutes, hour, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. That's fantastic. Especially if you're like, a snacker, eh? Like chuck a movie yeah. on. <laughs> like if I put a movie on, I don't have a normal text on. Every five minutes, I'm looking in the pantry. What's there to eat? What's there to eat? <laughs> uh, I, I used to yell out to Laura, Laura, can you? I'm in the boots. Can you get me to? Like, and she gets the point. If you're hoping in those Nordic boots, I'm not getting you anything anymore. Do you have that problem with Kelly? Does she give you that hard time? Well, I'm still racing, so well, I guess not really racing, but still a professional athlete, so I can uh, I can still get away with it. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. Laura, Laura stop giving me anything. I'll be dehydrated, hungry. <laughs> No, they're, they're a fantastic company too. Actually, Normatec and, and Hyperice actually sponsor the show, and um, okay. I use all their I use their Hypervolt now. Yes. Um, I don't go get massages all the time, but that Hypervolt, I feel like I'm using every day. I, I I always thought all the little massaging and things and having to keep your body going, I wouldn't have to worry about after retiring. Yeah. But boy, I feel like the closer I get to fifty here, all I do is body maintenance. Really? Work and, and that yeah, that that Hypervolt. Well, I obviously overdo it too. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> You're not, you're not your general. <laughs> well, once an athlete, always an yeah, athlete, okay, right? Okay. Like you're always trying to push, and uh, so I have this this hypervolt in my back and my glutes and my legs and um, all the time. But it is a great company for anybody that wants to have some of this the great stuff coming up. Yeah. Um, what what about in, in terms of sleep? Uh, you sound like you're a pretty good sleeper. Are you having to do any sort of cooling mats or any of these kinds of things? No, I. Um yeah, we, we were fortunate to get on a Tempur-Pedic mattress um, early on, and I find that uh, yeah, it's a really good mattress. Um, fortunately, yeah. I yeah, I sleep quite well. Um, mm. uh, there's all that stuff that is like the the blue light, shutting off blue light before you sleep. Um, to be honest, I I actually have my 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 sleep routine is jump in a bed. I actually have this words game that I play for like a minute and then I play a Sudoku for a minute, never finish a Sudoku and then play Solitaire for a minute. And by the time I'm refreshing the screen on Solitaire, my eyes are falling, my eyes are closing. And it's kind of <laughs> my great. three minute sleep routine and uh, <laughs> yeah, chuck, chuck the phone in flight mode and uh, go to sleep. <laughs> That's it. I, it almost sounds the same as my, honestly, I get the kids into bed, uh, you know, by 8, 8.15. Yeah. I lie in bed and I need to have like 15 minutes. I play a stupid game called Toon Blast. Now, this is like a it's a anybody that has a little app, Toon Blast is just but what it is, it requires no thinking yeah. of anything outside the world. It, it's almost like my own, it's like a meditative form of just switching off the yeah. brain. And then boom, I turn that off, put my phone onto flight mode, like you said, and we turn off Wi-Fi and everything in the house. Yeah. We we kind of we, we got into that a few years ago. But yeah, well turn off all the Wi-Fi, turn off everything. And then I I had to get myself a chili pad, like a, a cold mattress pad. I went and forked out the money to because I was waking up at one or two in the morning. But then I, with this chili pad, I just go straight back to sleep. Okay. Boy, I sleep well with it. Oh, yeah, it's pretty good. And that's not a pit. Uh, I'm not sponsored by him or anything. I just, I've been enjoying experimenting with sleep. 
yeah. yeah. So it was just I had Ben Hoffman on. He said he has one, and we're both considering getting weighted blankets. But <clears throat> you know, you're still too young. You don't need all of this stuff yet. <laughs> A weighted blanket? What's that? <laughs> oh, these weighted blankets have come out, which are really meant to help with deep sleep. Okay. Um, I can't tell you any more than that. <laughs> you're going to have to Google it yourself. I haven't Googled it enough to. Ben brought it up. I've. You know, Rich Roll, when he was on my podcast, uh, I don't know if you know Rich, yeah, but he yeah, was an ultra-endurance well. runner, yeah. has his own podcast. Um, and he was saying how much he loved his weighted blanket. And so I'm, I'm start, now starting to go, okay, maybe I'll go get myself a, a weighted blanket. So it's it's the new thing, mate. Okay. So you got to you have the chili pad, the weighted blanket, blue light glasses, turn the Wi-Fi off, make sure the room is dark, yeah. and then you've got earplugs on. And Oh, my God. It's, it's a big thing now to go get some. <laughs> you need the earth, earthing, um, earthing sheet as well. What's that? Um, you you plug your like you put the top sheet. Uh, it's like a cable. You plug it into the earthing. Um, um, the oh. you plug into the plug, but it's basically just taking power, like taking the earth. You know how when you have your plugs, you have one of like positive, negative, and earth. Yeah. So it's yeah. the earthing. So it's just meant to yeah. Oh, so it's a grounding. Yeah, tool. grounding. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, does Ben Greenfield have one of those? I think I saw him. Probably. He's got everything, doesn't he? Everything. Yeah, he does. He has everything. <laughs> does everything. Has everything. I know. I know. I know. He's, a, he's definitely experiments with a lot of stuff, doesn't he? Yeah. But I, um, it is it is curious what's out there. And I, and I know a lot of these things are, you know, it is worth self-experimenting. You know, for me, I sleep was becoming tough. So, I, you know, I take my magnesium glycinate, which helps me relax and, yes. and all of that. Actually, on that, are you what, what kind of supplements are you taking these days? Um, at the moment, I am actually just taking a supplement called True Niagen. Oh, um, yes, I know True Niagen. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I find that, that that's, yeah, been quite beneficial just with stuff. Yeah, tell there. me how you feel on that because I did that for quite a few months. Um, I was looking at working with them years ago, actually, and I, I – I don't know that I could feel terribly much. Have you noticed a? How, how have you felt um, by doing the trinogen? I guess with my most consistent training block, I was doing was um, in Noosa at the I guess middle end of last year, and my my energy levels um, went so like I would get so usually every, it's like clockwork. I get to the middle of the day, I am so tired, I need to have a nap, um, yeah, yeah. and just got yeah. I, would, I mean, after taking trinogen for a month or so. I would get to the afternoon and I mean I'd get to like three, four o'clock and be like, oh shit, I didn't even need didn't even feel like I need to have a nap today and, and I don't feel like I need wow. one now. So that was that was kind of the probably for me the biggest yeah, biggest biggest benefit. Because mm. uh, it has something to do with aging as well, right? I mean they they say it's meant to yeah, slow down the aging process yes, a little bit. Or yes, something. yeah. So it works yeah, it works on helping your cells um regenerate and yeah, slow down the aging. Um so- yeah, so I would take that. Um, um, what else do I take? Uh, when I'm training really hard, I'm just I've had in the past a little bit of adrenal fatigue, so I kind of conscious about that. So um, dosing up on some like adrenal fatigue formulas um, and lots of I guess when when training hard, also the vitamin vitamin C um, mm. side of things, just to kind of protect the immunity immune system. Um, just when like kids are coming home with snotty noses and from from daycare, um, and then yeah, a bit of magnesium. Yeah, are you um when you say adrenal fatigue and you is that like a Chinese herb, Chinese medicine, something like that? That seems to be the only. Yes, um, there's a there's a doctor over here. Um, <laughs> it's called Doctor Wilson's Adrenal Quartet, yeah. um, and 
to be honest, I yeah, there's got quite a lot of the stuff inside there is vitamin <laughs> vitamin C, uh, but there's a whole bunch of other other stuff. Um, ashwagandha, interesting. There's ashwagandha root, one of them, or ashwagandha something. Um, yeah, and uh, it's generally when you get when when you're in adrenal fatigue and then you're wrecked, it's probably a little little uh, too late. But um, yeah, if I if I know I'm, I've got a hard training block or whatever, I'll make sure I um, dose up on that just to just to kind of give myself a little bit of extra supplementation. Yeah. That's awesome, buddy. Yeah. Well, mate, we've covered a lot. Um, yeah, geez. you know, I feel like the first half of the show, we talked about you, your injuries, your car crashes, your ear <laughs> operations. You know, right? I'm not sure we celebrated your great triumphs quite enough. Um, but you know, I, I think for people that do know you, uh, would, would realize just how many tremendous things you've done. And I, for one, think you've got, tremendous amount of untapped potential for us this next five to seven eight years however long you want it i think the the passion will be the first thing that'll leave you i think physically and everything else you seem to have everything in place to have a long career if, if you want it um but it has been wonderful just to catch up and chat mate and uh you know if, if you had to pick you've traveled the world probably almost more than anybody when i look at your <laughs> 70.3 resume tell me a couple of your if you've, you said to listeners go do once we get going here again the world gets back to some normality training and racing where would you recommend training and racing where should people go um i tell you, i i loved training with jan and Girona. um mm. i think uh yeah the the training was good hanging out with jan was was awesome jan and nick castellane um i yeah just for some reason just europe europe and me just don't really uh, just it just doesn't end well for some reason <laughs> I never really have good races up there, and maybe I need to spend more time up there. Um, but there, or uh, we, we spent a lot of time in LA, um, LA or San Diego, uh, and just the, the weather is so reliable. The roads are the roads are big and good, and I've I quite enjoyed that as well. Um, race wise, I tell you what, um, Wildflower has to be probably one of those races that are just just wow, like. Is that still going? Is Wildflower still on? I, um, I don't know. Uh, they they had a break for a few years because of the drought. So the drought in California, the lake, um, yeah, just someone let the pl- pulled the plug and the lake went down. Um, but are they the last? Um, I think it was back on the cards a couple of years ago. Okay. So oh, good. yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully. I mean, that was that was an icon. That's probably one of the first ever half Ironman out there, right? Yeah, it's early. I never did it. It was one of those ones I never got around to doing. It was oh, always at the wrong time of year or yeah. whatever. I just could never get to it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, it's definitely I, an experience. I heard tremendous though. things. Yeah, and, yeah. And then, um, yeah, I mean, the, the Ironman races in Germany, so either Frankfurt or Challenge Rock. Um, just, yeah, you've done both of those. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Just in, oh. yeah, which one? Do you- uh, if I, uh, one over the other. Um, I mean, Frankfurt's a big city race. Uh, Roth is a small city race. Um I think Roth, you get more of the, the town gets behind it a lot more and, and it's, yeah, I guess more of a special type of feeling. Um, mm. And Frankfurt's just a cool race. I mean, you're racing around the city, you're running up and down the river. It's uh, very like a multi-lap course and, and you're on both sides of the river. So spectators can jump across bridges and see you quite a few times on the run. Um, mm. Yeah. So, I mean, both, both cool races. And just uh, the thing about those races is the spectators you get, it's just a mm. uh, it's a whole different level to what what anyone's used to. Well, mate, that's that's huge. Thanks for all of that. Um, 
lots of races that I never got to do myself, always wanted to, yeah. but never got around to it. Maybe for my 50th next yeah, year. Yeah, there we go. I'll go into some stupid things. Um, no racing Daytona, but next year, um, you know, obviously hoping uh, we can have uh, Kona Ironman. You must be already qualified for that, are you? Or no, qualified? no. Well, okay. I mean, I don't know who they, well, who's qualified for it because, yeah, I don't think, well, yeah, I had no idea. Um, I hadn't qualified for this year's one, so I had to qualify okay, for that. So, so still, yeah, yeah. You go qualify. Yeah. And what would be the plan? Would you do Ironman NZ? Probably Ironman or? NZ. Just, yes, yeah, so I'll do do a couple of races. Um, I think there's Rotorua Half Ironman, which the PTO has just said they're going to put a little bit of money towards, which is quite exciting. Oh, um, When's that? When's that? 20th of December. Oh, brilliant. You're going to yeah. get a race in this year. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, and then yeah. Tauranga, which is another half Ironman, which is the end of January. Um, Ironman New Zealand. And then just, I guess, hold my breath that the world will open up again, or at least New Zealand will open up to the world and travel will be a bit easier. Mate, I can't get, wait to get down there. I mean, you know, my brother lives in New Zealand now. He's an hour north of Rotorua in um, Cambridge. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, sweet. No yeah, he's a he's a chaplain at the private school there called um St. Peter's, Peter's. Yeah. amazing school. Yeah, there's a good school. Um, but anyway, yeah, we're hoping to get down there and spend some time riding the bikes in Rotorua. So when we do, we'll, I'll, I'll give you a shout out. But that'll be great, mate. This has just been um absolutely fantastic. Yes, so it has thanks, been good. Thanks for coming. Great to catch and up. Thanks for everybody for listening. Um, you can go to bennettendurance.com forward slash media for all the show notes, timestamps, coupon codes, and all the links to Terenzo. Um, stay on the line, mate. It's been fantastic. <laughs> really appreciate it. See you guys. Everyone have a great, great, safe Christmas at the end of the year. Cheers, mate. Sure. Bye. Thanks a lot for listening to Be With Champions. If you enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Be With Champions Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.